0: Fintech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success.
1: We would like to thank our 2022 fintech hunting sponsors accelerate equifax wfg enterprise solutions core logic b smarty anomaly squared sourcepoint total expert and next level advisors Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We have not one, but we have two exceptional guests for you today. They are both cybersecurity experts, financial industry trailblazers. They have a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Please help me welcome back to the show, Toby Libra, and welcome to the show, Trent kurcher Welcome, guys. It's so nice to have you.
2: Thank Thanks you for having so me. Much. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's always fun to be back here on fintech hunting. I love it.
1: Awesome. Well, let let's start. It's a crazy market. You know, we can we've heard that enough in the mortgage industry. But I really want to dive into your guys' knowledge and expertise. You're both cybersecurity experts. Let's talk a little bit about what's the current state of cybersecurity in financial services. Toby, I'll kind of tee it up to you first, and then turn it over to Trent, and we'll kind sure. of. Do- Go back and forth so that our listeners can really wean so much knowledge from you guys.
2: Awesome. Well, we'll let the old lady go first. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, you know, we've been battling this um, since the dawn of of anything that was cyber, especially in finance, because we all know uh, bad guys go where the money or the data is. and, And we hold the keys to both those kingdoms doing mortgages, especially. Um, so it, you know, I know Michael, we've done quite a few of these, uh, podcasts on that very topic. And I think there's really two things and it, it sounds like a broken record. Um, but you know, it's the young and up and coming way more brilliant than I was, uh, people like Trent who are really making a difference. So, <laughs> I'm so excited that he's here with us today to talk about it. But, um, you know, I go back, again, like a broken record to awareness training. <clears throat> it all comes down to prevention. And it's the main thing we can do for all of our employees to keep our company safe is train them on what to look for, how to react, how not to react. <laughs>
0: right.
1: Right. So, so, Trent, what are some of those things in that awareness training w- when we're trying to really shed a light on what should people be looking for? What are some of the common pitfalls that lenders are making? Give us a little bit more detail.
3: Yeah, sure. So, like Toby was saying, it's all about getting everyone involved, um, about everyone, all the users getting involved, looking out for phishing, emails, almost all the things that I see in my area, all phishing-related. It's easy for users to look out for certain things in the emails, like the domain has changed. Um, You can look for certain words, like if they use urgent or um, certain phrases like that. You can look out for things like that. Um, Spelling mistakes happen a lot in phishing emails. Um, So just to look out with certain things when you get an email, just double-check everything. Make sure you're actually expecting the email. Um, They can also go through phone calls and text messages, which I see a lot, um, which kind of goes into social engineering, where someone is um, acting like someone else, impersonating others to trick people. Um, That's the most common thing that I see.
1: Perfect. And Toby, I know you and I were talking a little bit. What are some of the things now that that these cyber criminals are really trying to do, especially as it relates to the C-suite?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, Trent and I talk about this a lot because he's done so much contract work for us. Uh, we run into these things with spear in particular. The hackers are are studying. This is their career and this is their job. It is no different than you and I going to work every day. Well, I mean, it's different, but it's not different. <laughs> it's their job. And so they are researching and they are learning exactly how to do their job, just like we're learning exactly how to keep them from doing their job. So the C-suite has been a big target for quite some time, but I've seen and heard tons of stories about a big ramp up in this to the CFO, a chief revenue officer, people that have control of the money, but it's not necessarily just them they're doing the research on. They're doing it on the research of who they're going to pretend to be. And knowing verbiage, they they check our social medias, they check what we're doing and how we talk to make that email to your CFO sound as real as it possibly can. And, you know, everybody's life is out on social media. We won't even get into that, that nobody cares what you had for dinner, but we still... (laughs) really feel the need to post and put all of our life out there but what you do is form a pattern for anyone to see they can see where you go how you act how you talk what you say and then they can translate all that straight into an email that now sounds extremely like you
1: well and that's the scary part of they're getting much better at replicating so You're not finding as many of the typos, you know, it's not the Sultan of wherever trying to ask me for some money anymore. It's now coming from a business associate that I know, or it's coming from me to somebody else. Trent, I know you and I have talked a little bit about, you know, and not just the awareness training, but a lot of the audits that you can do. Talk to me about why a lender would want to get an audit so that they can understand, you know, some of those vulnerabilities.
3: Um, well, you want to do an audit so that you can find out the the, the weakest points, uh, what you can address right away, um, see where your vulnerabilities are and risks lie so that um, you can do a gap analysis and try to bring those things together. Um, it's super important because um, you have to know where risks are.
2: And we're only as, as strong as our weakest link, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I think a lot of times we don't know what we don't know, right? A a lot of the, the people running a lending company, they're great salespeople, they know finance, they know everything, but as an executive at a lending organization, you can't know everything about technology, you can't know everything about risk. Talk to me a little bit, and either one of you can kind of jump in here, but why is it not only beneficial to do an audit, but why is it also very beneficial to have an outside firm do it so it's not just always internal staff? Because doesn't that also create some risk if it's just internal?
3: Yeah, exactly. So if it's just internal, you might want to make the numbers look better in your favor as opposed to someone else coming in and doing a, a real audit and really putting your weaknesses out there so that you can address them. Colby, you wanted to
1: add on that?
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think another thing, like Trent and I have talked about with situations that haven't, have happened in the recent past, is there's so much turnover in this industry right now. And so when you're dealing with levels of access, this isn't just loan officers or ops or support people. This is... Also, a lot of mid management and upper management, and even C suite folks that are moving around to different companies. And so, what you know, we have to battle with is yes, your controls were set for six months ago, but five of those people that had full access to your systems are no longer there. And if we shut that off, and does anybody know what's still open? And, and that's what people like Trent are so. It's just a necessity for us to have him because he can go in and see all of those in one fail swoop with a vulnerability scan or to update your policies and procedures and then we know who has access, who had access and who shouldn't have access
1: Toby that's such an important <laughs> point and it's a tough mortgage market, and when I, the reason I'm bringing it up in this conversation is, to your point, there's been a number of people that have either been let go, have either switched jobs, and like you said, it's not just the loan officer, it's not just the processor or the underwriter. There's a lot of C-suite executives, there's a lot of people that had full access, and it doesn't mean that all of them have malicious intent, but maybe they weren't real careful with protecting passwords, Maybe they weren't really following some of the processes and the protocol, or the new people don't know that there's a process and a protocol and how you have to do things. Talk to me about, is a lot of, you know, the the cybersecurity threats, is it from outside, or is it somebody internally letting somebody in? I, I know there's a lot of kind of debate back and forth, and you guys are the expert. I'm by no means the expert, but... Talk to me on that front of, and is that why you guys brought up the phishing and everything else is because it's normally someone internally letting them in, whether it's accidentally or whatever. But give me some uh, feedback on that side of it.
3: So I would agree that it is normally people inside of the company, the users that accidentally click on something that they didn't know or they have too much access um, to areas that don't pertain to them. Um, and just being unaware of, um, the risk that they pose and that they are the most vulnerable people in the, in the company. They let the people in.
1: And like you said, most of the time it's accidental. People get busy. They're working on loan files. They're under a lot of pressure. I've got to get more deals done. I didn't get this underwriting. Where is those documents from the Smith file? I got to get that Hammond thing. And then you start opening PDFs. You start opening a lot of those things, and that's where trouble lies. Walk me through. How does somebody engage? What? How do they vet like an external firm? How? How would I determine if I'm a lender? How would I determine who to come to as a cybersecurity expert? What are the questions I should ask? How would I vet a firm to know that that's someone that I can trust? Because that's one of the other fears, right? I'm letting somebody come in and I'm opening up my systems, how do I know that they're not gonna do something to my data, my my finances? Toby, you wanna to start and then I'll turn that over to Tret?
2: Yeah, I think there is absolutely no problem. If if you ask for references and what size lenders, what types, You know, do you handle just IMBs? Or are you doing credit unions? Because all of their systems are very different. And so I, I don't think there's absolutely anything wrong when you're talking to someone about entering a contract with them for cybersecurity to ask, do you have clients that I can talk to? Do you have references? There is no reason any of us are not willing or have a list of clients that say that they can be contacted if it is legitimate. Um so that that 's first and foremost, just check those references and and ask you know what they 've dealt with, what have they seen what 's their forte um, you know lucky for us, we have a team that that kind of covers the gamut from policies and procedures to breach remediation so and everything Lord knows in between but there there are a lot of companies that just specialize in certain things, only do penetration testing. Um, You have to know what your need is first in in a free consultation. Let me tell you what, I can't tell you how many people are getting dinged for a consultation just to even go over with, we don't even know where the heck we are. And I think that is the other thing, the fear finance people have, because we have been breached by several large, large entities. And there's been tons of ransomware and loss over the last five, six, seven years. They're scared to say they don't know where they are with cyber maturity levels. We can only do the work according to what we're told in the very beginning. So if you truly I don't know where we're at and we don't have an expert on staff. You just need to tell us that. And then Trent, someone like Trent knows exactly where to start. We're, you know, bolts to nuts here from the ground up.
1: I love it. And I think that's one of the concerns of, Hey, how do I find someone? So you start with references, you start with, I should be able to get a free consultation to say, okay, where am I at? Let's lay the cards on the table I'm sure if they requested, you guys would sign NDAs or do whatever you have oh, to do from that realm so that people know that th- what they say is going to be confidential. But you also don't want to keep just kicking the can down the road if you're not prepared.
2: Now talk a
1: little ransomware. You brought that up, and I mean, I cringe when I hear that. It's almost like somebody putting you know their hands down the chalkboard. But Trent, <laughs> why don't you tell me a little bit about ransomware? What are some of the things we can be on the lookout for what are some of the ways to protect your organization or yourself as an individual?
3: Yeah, so a lot of organizations um, don't really worry about ransomware until it's too late. Um, and then you get you wind up not having the controls in place or the education in place so users don't know what to look for. And then they end up paying huge sums of money, uh, which you obviously don't want to do. Um, <laughs> so like I was saying earlier, the security awareness training is a huge thing. Um, thing that I always harp on. And users need to know what they can download, what they are allowed to download, what they're allowed to access, so they're not just downloading software off the internet and going on random sites that they're not supposed to. There needs to be a clear indication of what they can and cannot do that's documented in their policies and procedures.
1: All goes back to if if you start and lay the foundation correctly, and you have those procedures and you have those policies, you know what your vulnerabilities are, and you start mapping it out that way. Being proactive is much easier from what I'm hearing from the two of you than reacting after the fact. And then who knows? All bets are off, right? You don't know if it's wans- ransomware. You don't know if they've now started, you know, taking down and shutting down your systems and everything else. We've only got a couple minutes, and I could keep talking to you guys for hours because you have so many key insights. Toby, I'll go to you first. But what are some things that lenders should focus on? If you had to say, hey, here's three of the top things that lenders need to focus on now, this year, be- before That's, the end of the year.
2: That is so easy policy and procedures. Making sure your incident response, your business continuity, disaster recovery, and levels of access are in those policies and procedures and not by person but by title and department because the person changes. Oh, so that is... just get it by title and department Ooh. awareness training would definitely be, the, the, if it's not running 1A and 1B, it's 1 and 2 <laughs> with policy and procedure <laughs> and awareness training. Um, we are only as good as our people are and we are human and we're going to make mistakes. I want to say the third part in that is your business plan for how you handle an incident with your staff. I cannot tell you how many times we see something spin out of a little bitty snowball into an avalanche because someone was scared to report that they did something. They clicked on something. They opened something. They downloaded something. So it's sitting there in your system festering for two days until it either pops to IT or they finally confess. Here's the issue. We can't go in with fear to our staff with cyber. You have to say, The second you think you did something wrong, if your gut has that knot, then you tell somebody. Because the faster we can get to it, the faster we can do remediation and less damage. So we really have to let our staff know there's a safe place to go and report, whether that's another person, whether that's a a various email of reporting, but that they're not going to lose their jobs if they made a mistake. Now, if you've got somebody clicking on 15 emails a week, then maybe they need a little extra awareness training.
1: <laughs> but, but, or they might not be the right person for the job. Or, we'll have to see where that goes.
2: This could be even uh, more <laughs> malicious.
1: <laughs> so, Trent, as you start, we talked earlier about audits. What are some of the key areas that you look at when you start an audit? I'm sure there's kind of some foundation of, This is where we start. What are some of those areas that you typically look at when you start looking at an audit so that people kind of get at least some context of here's the type of services that you guys can provide? You know, I mean, you're a sharp guy. You've worked for a lot of big companies. You're now doing consulting, but you're also open to the right opportunity. That young mind where you grew up on technology, I just want to make sure we hear some of the cool stuff that uh, you would look at when doing an audit
3: yeah sure so I would say that the separation of duties would be the main thing that the network is well segmented so if one person is breached you're not going to breach the whole company Uh, It needs to be role based access based um everything needs to be pertaining to someone's role and they should only have enough access as to do that role so um, the network needs to be well-segmented, and I would say that email protection obviously is very important um, so that you filter out all the those unwanted emails. So it makes it a little bit easier on the employee. Um,
1: yeah. One last question as we're down that road. What do you do with some of the companies, whether it's the tech companies that are selling into the financial services or some of the smaller, the community banks, the credit unions? They don't have a huge IT staff. They have one guy who handles the network and maybe a couple of other things. How do you handle that from a security so you don't have a single point of failure, but you also don't have the budget to have six people, seven people, so you can have redundancy and you can have it all segmented? What do you do in those kind of environments?
2: It's really where, you know, we've talked a lot about our virtual information security officer program, and that's exactly what it was designed for um, because of us being in the space. And, of course, you know, uh, First Trust is is a great independent IMB Um where where i am also at but it's the same all the way across the board they're not those companies are putting their resources to the consumer so there's not big budgets in a lot of these mid to even large mids that have a full-time security person so we developed that virtual ciso program for that it's an annual contract you get x amount of hours depending on what kind of package And it can be anything. It can be building those policies and procedures. It could be your annual awareness training, vulnerability scans, pen tests, any special projects that come up with your IT department. You have a contractual CISO on board with your company at a fraction of the cost with zero employee benefits because we are a contract.
1: I love it. I think that's so critical. Guys, you guys have shared so many great insights. I'm sure our listeners can go back, take notes. If they have additional questions, Toby, I'll start with you. What's the best way they can get a hold of you? And then Trent, I'll ask you the same question. So if people want to pick your brains, if they want to schedule and audit, if they want to find out more and have that free consultation, what's the best way that they can get a hold of you guys?
2: absolutely well you know i'm a linkedin queen so anybody can find me on there toby libra um then my email at first trust is just t libra at my com, or you can reach me at toby at 459 consult.com awesome trent
1: yeah so
3: i was gonna say linkedin as well you can find me trent bordenkirker you can definitely find my last name. It's very unique. Um, <laughs> and you can reach me through email. It's trent.bordenkirker1856 at gmail.com.
1: Outstanding.
2: And I can always guys- track him down. So,
1: <laughs> yes, you can get a hold of me, get a hold of Toby, whatever you guys need. But you guys were a wealth of knowledge. I can't thank you enough for being guests on this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast.
2: Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having us on.
1: Perfect. Should show.
0: Are you looking to close more loans in 2021? Experience accelerates award winning customer engagement platform featuring lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing, text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and so much more. Incelerate, helping lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement. Schedule your personal demo today at Incelerate.com FinTech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow. Are you struggling to keep up with record origination volumes? From property valuation and appraisal to title insurance and closing services, WFG Enterprise Solutions provides flexible mortgage origination services that address your organization's needs head on. By taking the time to understand how you run your business, WFG can create solutions that save you time and money on every transaction. That's why WFG consistently earns Net Promoter's world-class ranking for customer satisfaction. Innovative solutions, world-class customer satisfaction. Get to know WFG today at wfgls.com. What does instant mean to you when it comes to income and employment verification? With the demand for loans increasingly being met with a competitive edge, lenders should turn towards automation. A key way lenders can move digital is by leveraging instant income and the employment data from The Work Number, which helps them keep pace in an era where every day brings new challenges. To learn more, visit theworknumber.com.
1: Tired of logging into different systems to check your loan pipeline? Ready to update your processes to meet today's digital borrowers? Now you can with Be Smarty's all-in-one mortgage technology solution. Save yourself time and money and wow your borrowers. Find out how at besmarty.com.